Me Diabolic, a bank Robin Hood who battles the cops. He robs from the rich to give to the girls. Ask Eva. Oh, you shouldn't have done it. She can't get a good night's sleep unless she's covered with money. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Chris Honeywell is an internet loudmouth. And that's why Austin Powers is the ultimate in goofy spy movies. Hated and reviled by his few remaining friends, he catches the attention of Thomas DJ, perhaps the world's most cunning supervillain. Ensconced in his ultra-scientific hideout, with only his robot army and stunning assistant to keep him company, DJ springs into action. Is this city, you see? In Virginia, use the molecular transmigration beam to bring this fool to me! Virginia trains the hellish mechanism, and with a clap like thunder, and in a blinding psychedelic light, Chris Honeywell stands before his tormentor. Normally, I do not suffer fools, but I see beyond the yawning of ignorance that is your brain and the endless sluice of sewage which is your mouth that they form a basic animal intelligence that I may be able to mold to my own devices. Uh, okay. Therefore, in my mercy, I offer you two choices. Instant painless disintegration or you study grindhouse movies at my feet now! Choose! Uh, I choose not disintegration. So be it. In one month, I shall assign you a movie to watch and will summon you again. Be ready, or the consequences shall be swift and merciless. Right, but how do I get to the... Now go! And thus began one of the most dangerous and unpredictable endeavors in evil sciencing. The Honeywell Experiment! Virginia, summon the subject! Oh, it's you. Have you done your assignment for today? I did. I watched it and everything. Good, good. good. Just keep that uh, molten gold boiling just in case. <laughs> it's hot in here. <laughs> so. Well, I can say that I absolutely love this movie. Mm-hmm. Good, 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 good. I, the thing about this film, it was based on uh, a fumetti in Italy, uh, done by two little old ladies of all people. Really? Yeah. Um, the name, their names are, just a second, because I have it called up here on my database, Angela Guziani and Luciana Guziani. They were sisters. And um, this is probably the... Now, there have been better comic book movies, but this is probably the most comic book comic book movie. It literally feels like you're reading the comic book. It, it, it feels like you're reading something that could have been in Heavy Metal magazine, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that, the, the, those were all, like, European comic reprints. And in the first ten minutes of the movie, well, it, it, for one thing, you got the star of the movie... In the first 10 minutes, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God, this is, like, the greatest double feature with Barbarella ever. It, well, it was, they were shot at the same time. That makes, I mean, Dino De Laurentiis was involved, in, and then I see Dino mm-hmm. De Laurentiis' name, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's got people in common. 
and it's right you know yeah it's right at the same time and they're both European comic books just brought to life well brought supposedly to life. um De Laurentiis had asked Bava to take a look at John Philip Law because there was a delay in the filming of Barbarella and he wanted to give Philip Law something to do and Law bought a couple of copies of the books and read them and saw that the eyebrows were so important so he put mascara on his eyebrows walked in and kept moving his eyebrows through the interview and at the end Bava said, Bava said ah that's my diabolic yeah with that mask the eyebrows are pretty much your uh <laughs> it's pretty much all you got <laughs> yeah oh it's it's but it's it's it works so well he is just ha first off everybody seems to be having a ball on this set wouldn't you oh yeah of course Are you kidding me it's like we're bringing in the bags of money for for the sex scene <laughs> you know <laughs> and this is unusual this was like one of the, the the largest budgets mario bava ever worked with this was three million dollars he had you could tell Dude. he was excited. <laughs> yeah, oh! He, and it's just, but uh, he still, it's still recognizably a Bava picture. Well, it's still... It's pushing the limits of that $3 million. So mm -hmm. there's, there's, so it almost has a low budget look to it, but that's just because it's, he's making like a $10 million picture for $3 million. He's making a James Bond movie, you know? Mm -hmm. He's he's making a Cubby Broccoli movie and uh, Dino De Laurentiis money, <laughs> which I'm actually very glad. Those the, the the seams in this are part of what makes it, you know. The, mm -hmm. the and the the fact that there's never a second where it's taken completely seriously helps helps that immensely, you know. I mean, it never mm -hmm. stands still. The... It, it does move, it's just... And you've got that great soundtrack, which alternates between cool cool lounge jazz and this kind of post-punk surfing music. And your favorite song, too, the Deep deep Down. Oh, no, that, that yeah. This is, but, but no, my favorite is... is... <laughs> 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 I'm doing a little dance as I'm... All I know is but, I, where has this movie been my entire life? This, and 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 I, I fired you off a uh, uh, like a Facebook message after I saw it, and I realized, oh, this guy's a writer, and I possibly um, abused the word literally when I mm -hmm. said this is literally like the movie I want my life to be. <laughs> but it is. I want. Well, who doesn't want it after watching this? I want that that secret hideout. That is that's mm -hmm. my secret hideout. It's well, it's it's beautifully lit. It's not well lit. It's just beautifully lit. <laughs> um, it's very artistically put together. Yeah, you do, and it and and it's not full of like the stupid things that most of them have. Like you know, a, it doesn't have signs on it because no. it's made by one guy who's going to use it. He and his he and his girlfriend are going to use it. Why? put numbers on anything or anything just it's all just stuff for him to turn there with little lights on it it's it's perfect and i like the idea of um but by, by the time i realized oh my god he's gonna collapse the economy <laughs> like, this is great well, he's an anarchist yeah but usually yeah it's but it's like turning a james bond movie on its head because he's the yeah. hero you're rooting for him mm -hmm. every second because he's basically against like clouseau and his his, and and now is this supposed to be all the British police after him? Or? Well, then wisely they never say where this this film takes place. Because the police all look Italian. They, you know, yeah, they're well, all in like their leather outfits, and they look like you know fascists or something. You know, mm -hmm. but all, all the all the politicians are like British people with with horrible teeth. Oh, so <laughs> it was confusing. Well, we've got. We've got Terry Thomas, of course, in the opening scenes as the, the ultimate ineffectual politician. Well, with then, his, hmm? and the and the inspector who's sort of the poor man's Christopher Lee. Yeah, and it's the the other one that the second guy who comes in just seems a little too like into himself to really care. So it's it, definitely 
the cops and the other crooks are are incompetent. Only only Diabolic has the stuff. Yeah, and as you as you get further towards law enforcement, they get even more incompetent. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. the gangster guy is just slightly is just like a little less incompetent than than Diabolic. Yeah, but the cops are complete bumblers every step of the way. I mean, even in that first scene where they're they're getting ready to, to transport the uh, the money <laughs> in the Richie Rich do- dollar sign bags. Yeah, in the rich, and they're inspecting the cops who are going undercover as diplomats. And Ginkgo is going, "You're an idiot. You look, you don't look sophisticated enough." Oh yeah, the one, the one cop was just sitting there like chewing his cud. Yeah. 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 At that at that point, I was just like, "Ooh, is this gonna be? You know, maybe a sequel of this could have been like Clouseau versus Diabolique. That would be a very, uh, <laughs> that'd be a very uh, entertaining movie." Which would be interesting because, of course, Clouseau lets things happen Clouseau's way in spite of Clouseau, not because of him. Yes. <laughs> Although Clouseau does not have the excellent hench person that Diabolic has. No. No, Diabolic has the greatest hench person oh. ever in the... It's, she's not just his girlfriend, lover, slash accomplice. She's a total partner with him. She's... Well, it's a very... It's like, what would happen if the Joker and Harley Quinn had a healthy relationship? Yes. Yes. And, and you, know. you, you could tell he's sort of running things, but he's he realizes he ain't going to do it without her. And, and you also notice he's just kind of... He's not harming anybody until... I, that's what I thought at first. <laughs> you know? I was like, oh, he's one of those, oh, he's one of those thieves that, like, you know, takes everything, but he leaves someone alive. And then, like, literally, again, 30 seconds after I had that thought in my head, he pulls out a knife and throws it into someone's neck. And I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> maybe there goes that theory. <laughs> but it's like he's, he, he doesn't go out of his way to, punt, to, to hurt people until they mess with Eva. That's true. That's and can that... we talk for a second about Marissa Mel, who there are, there are more beautiful women in the world. There have been more beautiful women in the world. There have been sexier women on screen. But something about this role and her just creates the perfect storm of sexuality. Yes. Well, I'm I'm always been a fan for that sort of actually it probably started with Barbarella watching Barbarella Ah. because I used to play Barbarella 24 hours a day on HBO because it was only PG Mm -hmm. somehow but it was packed (laughs) full of cheesecake and nudity if you were an eagle eyed teenager which I was which all teenagers are when Mm -hmm. it comes to nudity so and, and it was yeah and she was sort of along that same Jane Fonda line of athletic and um, mm-hmm. super intelligent, and oh yeah, their 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 relationship is heartwarming. They they are truly like, they're it's well it's almost psychotic in the the fact that they're just sort of like basically the only two people in the world, mm-hmm. which I guess would be the 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 healthy version of Harley Harley Quinn and, and the Joker. And it's 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 just heartwarming. She's not going to give up on him. They're not going to give up on each other. But at the same mm-hmm. time, they're both pragmatic criminals. So you know, when they, they, there were there were a couple points where she was like, "I'm not going to leave you," and he's like, "Look, you got to do this and this and this if we're going to get." And she's like, "Oh, okay, the plan." Boom, and on the plan, they never right. let their emotions cut their make them. You know. Uh, lo- lose a step or, or misstep. It's it's just it's 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 a great dynamic. It's it's. I I don't think think the only other supervillain hench person relationship I can think of that comes close to this is Doctor Fives and Volnavia. Mm-hmm. And that's not a sexual. That's not like a loving relationship, but that is a very efficient relationship. She just happens to be very good at her job you know with with eva and diabolic they they are uh, they're a unit together they are it's us against the world so to speak 
It makes you wonder how they met. I might have to find the comics to find out if there was ever an origin story about it. Mm-hmm. T- to see what, what, what brought two people with such specific skill sets together. <laughs> the skill set of actually just being able to get out of any situation. <laughs> and the skill set of having apparently like an infinite supply of money. I, I'm I'm guessing that what he did was just a series of snowballing thefts. <laughs> That's what I figured. I mean, I, I love I loved that scene in the, the first act where they're coming back from robbing the, 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 the tr- robbing the money and he's getting ready to put the money into the, into the vault and we look at him through the vault and we see him change his mind and put... <laughs> like, I have enough money. Yeah, yeah. Who, who, who needs money? I mean, I've got, a, I've got an entire underground... Unbelievable underground yeah. house. You never have to worry about that anymore. And apparently unlimited Jaguars. Just, just yeah, <laughs> I've got a, I've got the world's first 3D printer just printing out Jaguars. <laughs> and it's like it's like that the Jaguars seem to match his outfit. And and not only that, but this is one of the earliest like blatant product placement things. Is I I I always love seeing old you know they're in the gas station. You see an so ta- so sign and it says put a tiger in your tank, and the the guy yeah. actually goes the tiger's in your tank, ma'am. It's just like I wonder how much they paid for that. I don't I don't know if they actually paid for that. I yeah, think yeah. that was just what you did. in the sixties. It was a lot less uh, mercenary. Uh, the advertising thing. It might just been a saying that they like yeah. wanted to say. But I, I wonder if this was, you know, if Dino De Laurentiis, I don't know if you know anything about like what inspired this in Barbarella, but I, but were they sitting around Batman. going, man, American comic books are going, you know, Marvel comics were sort of like coming into their own and they were were they thinking like well we can't afford to do to get spider-man but we can get like italian comics i can't remember what barbarella was i think barbarella might have been italian also it was french it was french yes and, it was uh, french yes so they, they they're it, like it was but, simply everybody was doing their batman mm. well this bat- this was bat this was definitely batman i mean the 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 <laughs> The exhilaration gas and the anti-exhilaration gas pills was a hundred percent Batman. That that was awesome. That was a hundred percent for the audience's benefit. Yes. So I'm saying, and it's they, like they don't even try to disguise themselves that well. No. That's no. what I love about it. It's just no. That's part of the appeal of it. He doesn't want to do. He he wants to do it like that. You know. That's that's what makes it satisfying for him. That's what makes him a good supervillain. I mean, that's why that's why I love this movie so much. Is I un- I understand this guy <laughs> to to a degree. I, I, I well, mean... it, it, it's a great film. I wish I'd seen this film first when I was a teenager mm. because it's a. Ve- I mean, I used the phrase punk rock before. It's a very punk rock film. Yes, up the man, and it's very the the whole diabolic is like the ultimate punk rocker, so to speak. He screw. He does everything he can to screw the government, to make them look foolish, and it's it's just one. It's just wonderful that he literally bankrupts an entire country. Yeah, and it's not like he has a. He he does have a goal in his thefts, but his goal is usually just to to. Uh, you I want to give my I want to give my girlfriend something nice. Yes, it's her birthday <laughs> coming up, and she needs some gems. And this, look at this, and, and also that they expect me to steal it, and they, they're going to be ready for me to steal it, which makes it harder for me to steal it, which means I've got to steal it even more. I've, I think he basically lived to humiliate them. That was, that was yeah. basically the thing. I, I have a feeling he was more rewarded internally by ruining that press conference than by taking, you know, two hundred and fifty tons of gold. <laughs> <laughs> back yeah. to his place. What are you going to do with 250 tons of gold, you know? And yeah, I like well, that, that they address that, too. It's just like, how are you going to deal with this? With my laser. <laughs> <laughs> this laser is hot enough to, to melt steel. Luckily, gold has a lower 
melting point. And uh, I was watching that, and I'm like, oh, this is like the earliest golden shower video ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a very sexual scene, because, yes. you know, the, the sh Baba's shooting it between Marissa Mel's legs, and you're like... And she's doing that. She's doing the, the the stuff with her lips. Yeah, as, I, I, as he's laughing. You could tell that this came from the same place as Barbarella, but it lacked mm -hmm. va Vadim. It didn't have the sheer yeah. perviness of Vadim to, uh, that that Barbarella did. Just enough of it. That just enough of like where well we're gonna have to go. T now here, here's here's a funny thing is if you have. If you're in your hidden hideout that you've made for just you and your girlfriend, why do you need to put um, put um, little little opaque parts of the, uh, of the shower? <laughs> I was wondering why they didn't have one shower. Yeah, these, these these two guys can't even get these guys can't even wait to get out of the car as they're going <laughs> down the, the the elevator to start having sex. You'd think that that yeah. They would just save an extra step. They obviously don't have a limited supply of water there because they have a whole underground lake too. So yeah. So I guess they don't have to worry about it. Gene Hackman looks at this lair and says, "I want that." Oh, oh my God! Gene Hackman would cry if he saw that lair. And I love, I love Superman the movie. The Superman the movies is even. That's even better because, well, it is. It's well, better like I said, the way it has better. location. It's it's in a yeah. ur more urban location. It's kind of cool, you know. Mm -hmm. It was kind of finished before. It's it's sort of like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles sort of place. But yeah, the, no, no. Superman is a better film, but I think that when it comes to telling there's there's the story in a way that resembles the the source material, this film is superior. Now, have, have you read some of the comics before? I've read. It's really weird how, for some reason, the European comics, the heroes are all the bad guys. Yeah. Because you know you have Diabolic, you have Fantomas over in uh, France. You ha and uh, I have never read them, but I've seen side by side comparisons. There is an excellent. If you can find, I don't know where you could find it. There's an excellent short film that somebody did with Stephen Bissett. Of Swamp Thing. Oh yeah, one of my favorites. One okay, he does a side by side comparison and explains how it is. You know, it's Bapa was literally using much like uh, Robert Rodriguez did with uh, First Sin City was literally using the comic as a storyboard. And I often wonder why that doesn't happen more often because it's just there you know it's th th that's almost a you know not for everything but for a lot of comics it's it's almost as if it's pre-made for you you know so mm -hmm. i i'm i'm definitely going to try to try to look up some of these some of these comics because um i read some of the barbarella comics a, a while ago yeah. and, and they were very they were very similar of course you know that that the backgrounds and stuff were lusher and stuff weren't weren't sets, but yeah, it was the same general idea, and it had probably about the same amount of cheesecake in it too. And I don't know, sixties cheesecake is so much better than <laughs> cheesecake <laughs> nowadays. No, there because isn't really much cheesecake these days. It's I, not wanting to sound like the old man on the hill shouting at clouds, but it, it it's. Starting with the '70s, that there became a kind of sl a slight sleaziness, and there's nothing wrong with sleaziness. We're going to get to some sleaziness in this experiment, exactly, in, in future so. episodes. Um, oh, oh, wait till you see what I got to you for episode three. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about sleazy? Um, but I think that there, there's a certain classiness to the cheesecake of. Still not far away from like the Vargas classic cheese, you know, cheesecake drawings of the fifties. So there's still that sort of sense that it's something sophisticated, not purient. Uh, oh, I think it was definitely the the um, the the Playboy magazine effect. Yeah, to where it was still. It, it, 
in the fifties you started getting like just the nudie movies and the you know like nudist colony movies and stuff, and and they were you know they would only show a certain amount of nudity and they would have things blocking it or or something, mm-hmm. but as you got into more Barbarella and the phase of this. You also had women's liberation in it, so you so the women were like you would have these women that were um, se- sexually up front, and at the same time, like Barbarella was the main character in that story, and right. in this one, she's she's the pretty much co-star of the of the movie, and mm-hmm. has as much agency as Diabolic. So it has a different feel to it. It's still got a, it's still a little but like you look at it that way. That it's sort of like the the pulp version yeah. of you know like how like the shadow and Margot Lane and Marco Lane were kind of equals in their way. It's just that she tended to get kidnapped a lot. Yeah, and this one I'm very surprised that they were actually able to kidnap her. I was I was half expecting him to to uh, parachute out of there. And and then just be like, and then have her, you know, with all the guards tied up and being like, "What took yeah. you so long?" <laughs> that that was half what I was expecting. Meanwhile, I want a plane with a <laughs> trap door in the bottom. <laughs> oh boy, that guy! I, was... I love the fact that because there's a bullet shot somewhere, and one of the one of those the gangsters takes out his gum and seals up the hole. <laughs> yeah. Just like it's nothing. Just like yeah, oh, oh. this happens all the time. Yeah, again, that's why I always chew gum. Always, <laughs> it's first first lesson with the new guys every time is always have a have a pack of Wrigley's on you. You never know when you're gonna have to seal up a hole in the, the compartment. It's you know, and it's just uh, it. Then of course he gets out of it by using the trap door. And that made me so happy because when that when they opened up the trap door, I'm like. All right, I see. And they gave him the parachute. I'm like, all right, I see what they're doing here. I'm like, grab him, (laughs) grab him, and take him with you. That's it. That that would be the only thing that that uh, you know, supervillain could do to the other supervillain right now. And he did, and he grabbed him. I'm just like, yes, (laughs) that's right. I'm gonna die. (laughs) Of course, Valmont proves to be a coward. Yeah. Not only. Not only not only um takes him takes him out and gives him a joyride but actually like has a nice conversation with him all the way down like much. <laughs> and and of course the, the 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 trick of use well i don't know how much we want to we want to tell the audience about this but i mean what he does to get the emeralds finally <laughs> yeah i love that too that reminds me of that reminds me of some of the old pulpy novels that I read, like uh, Stainless Steel Rat, like the Harry Harrison <laughs> stuff like that, something that he would do, and then just like, oh, I can just do this with these diamonds, and I'll just collect them later. Right. And, and, and of course, he does... Um, Brian Singer had to have seen this film. <laughs> Brian Singer had to have seen this film because you have the thing where he's doing the old man walk. Yes. And then he just like... <laughs> You know, just starts speeding up, and then as soon as he's out there at a run, Chuck, Chuck, as soon as he chucks a cane, as soon as he yeah. tosses a cane on the on the stretcher, he's off like a rocket. And I love the two people just like looking after him. Well, life is very odd. <laughs> I'm surprised there were. Was it now? Did this movie do well? I'm surprised this there weren't more of these. It in Italy, but didn't do well internationally. So there never was, even though, of course, we've got that um, that cliffhanger ending. Yes. So, Semi cliffhanger. You could just sort sem- of assume where it's going, but yeah. yeah. Um, it you know it never went anywhere, and I think that I don't think that Bava would be interested in doing a second. He did do one similar film uh which was a a spoof of spy uh, movies called dr goldfoot and the girl bombs i've heard about that with uh vincent price and uh, is it fabian one of those now interchange isn't that uh uh it's a sequel or there was a sequel it's a sequel yes yes dr goldfoot and and the the bikini machine machine is the first one yes 
that one is an American film. It didn't do too well in America, but it did well in Italy. So basically, Italy said, "Can we do a sequel?" And American International Pictures said, "Okay, we'll do a, You do the sequel. We'll distribute it elsewhere." I seem to recall. I can't remember which one of them. Made, one of those movies made the Golden Turkey Awards. Oh, one of the first I, film books I ever read as a kid. I'm sure it did. I used to love that book, and now I kind of hate it. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Exactly. It's kind of like kind of like my my attitude towards Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yes. Oh my God, I was just about to get to that too. Because notoriously, this this film has the reputation of being one of the worst films of all time because it was the last film uh, used as the subject of Mystery Science Theater 3000's original run. And granted, mo- a lot of a lot of Mystery Science Theater films deserve to be made made fun of, but this one did not deserve. No, the it, do, it doesn't deserve it, it. I can see how it would be entertaining for him to do it because there's a lot of fodder for. Well, it's because it's goofy and it's yeah, way, yeah. There's, there's a lot of fodder for wisecracks and quips, but mm-hmm. the. I like I like mystery science theater, but I also have a fundamental. Well, a, I'd always rather watch the movie without somebody talking over it. Mm-hmm. So, like a lot of times with mystery science theater, I don't watch it unless I've seen the movie before, unless it's something, you know, like Night of the Lepus or something like that. Yeah, you know, something completely terrible that that would be fun to watch them rip apart. But, um. Yeah, I noticed. Uh, I watched this on YouTube, and I noticed right under it on YouTube was the Mystery Science Theater version of it. Mm-hmm. And I started watching a few minutes of it, and I couldn't take it. For one, they were cutting parts out of it. Yeah. Here, they, they, and and the parts they cut out were some of the best parts, like the the shower, which didn't have any nudity in it either. Yeah. And I think the other part that I saw that they cut out was um, when they first show the interior of the mod rock club and people are passing a joint around and stuff and I could see them being like okay not on Comedy Central or whatever well yeah remember this was this uh, Mr. Science Theater was being shown during you know the Saturday morning right. time slot so it was considered a kids show right so they, they, they had to I guess cut it down and they probably had to cut it down for time to but mm-hmm. then, then I was just like, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna watch this. And and then I didn't want, and and of course I, I usually never watch mystery science theater before ever doing a show on anything because I don't want to accidentally right. steal any other jokes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's I, I'm I'm torn on mystery science theater. Sometimes sometimes it angers me, and sometimes I enjoy it. But uh, mm-hmm. de- this one definitely does not. And. The thing that annoys me about it is there are a lot of people who aren't going to seek out these movies on their own, and mm-hmm. it instantly tars something like this, this movie, or like This Island Earth when they did it as a as a movie, as, as a bad movie. Well, they had a reason for that, because uh, Mike Nelson explained in an interview, because somebody said, why are you picking This Island Earth? It's actually it's a good movie. He said, well, because we don't want to drag people into a theater and pay money to see a bad movie. So, Okay, <laughs> although you know that's sort of what their meat and potatoes is, yeah, and that's sort of why people watch the show too. So, okay, you know, I could totally hear the studio telling them that, but yeah, we we know that you're a show about bad movies. Do you have to have a bad movie on it? Written in stone? I mean, think about it. So it this this is part of. Uh, you know, pop art cinema, psychedelic cinema, it's called sometimes. And it's probably one of the best examples. It's one of the ones that I would show people. Oh, yeah. Because it's got everything. Yeah. It's got the color scheme. I mean, Mm -hmm. the beginning beginning credits are basically like a spinning psychedelic gumdrop thing. (laughs) You know? And, And that, to me is like that that old r- retro and even watching it on YouTube with a little bit of you know it's it's taking it down a level of of um of picture quality it actually adds to it it doesn't it doesn't hurt it at all you know i mean like ideally like watching this i would love to watch this movie would translate really well like onto a 16 millimeter print you know through a projector mm-hmm. uh, and uh 
and it just has all those visual elements that I that I like like even if the story was terrible in this and no fun the way mm-hmm. that it's shot and the color scheme of it keeps my eyes happy and but, and like the the Dutch angles and yeah. the, the unusual compositions but it wasn't quite they didn't quite go as campy as say like Batman did you know with the Dutch angles and stuff but they were but yeah. it was enough to make it so like I didn't know that this comic was made um, based on a comic book but about halfway through it I said this has to be a comic book mm-hmm. this has to be because it it totally feels like a, like a, I could totally see like opening up a heavy metal and seeing sort of a black and white art for it and have it running just about it really like the movie did you know mm-hmm little higher budget looking because you're drawing it so you could draw everything in more detail but still well the uh that that trippy animation sequence with the city streets no no the the identikit oh the identikit yes um that totally doesn't look like her (laughs) that has short hair and that was well that was drawn by the sisters who just you know who created the character it looked. It reminded me a lot of um, this underground cartoonist named uh, Trina Robbins. Yeah, it looked a lot I'm familiar like familiar Trina. But I mean, that whole trippy thing where where, where the faces are melding, and at one point we see Barbarella's face. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. That's right. I forgot about that. You yeah, know, that's... I, I love movies like that where they just basically do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they're like, yeah, this could be a little little stupid or, you know, or a little bit like unrealistic. But you know what? We're, we're, we might as well go with it at this point. The guy's going to steal 250 tons of gold by the end of this. Might, you know, having an animated <laughs> identikit is uh, not only is it not only we've already it... got exhilarating gas. So. <laughs> yes, I want some exhilarating <laughs> It's one of the things I've got Virginia working on right now. Stuff would never leave the house. <laughs> I'd be wasting it at press conferences. <laughs> oh no, I've got a certain I've got a certain uh idea of a certain oval office that could use some of it right now. <laughs> I don't want to know anything about any of that stuff. <laughs> but uh it's it's, it just shames me that, that people think this is such a terrible film when it is actually really brilliant. I've heard about um, this movie there... for years, but not good or I don't remember anything good or bad. All I remember is always seeing the picture of them having sex in a pile of dollar bills. Yeah. It's, it's just, it, it has that sort of weird kind of like comic book and then this happens logic to it. Yeah, I. It's, Back when it, comic books were comic books, and before they became murderama. It's 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 liberating in a way, you know. Yeah. It's it basically it there's, you know, you can you can see well I you know I, having gone to film school, you know there they used to they, we had this one teacher who would always give us problems. How would you film this scene, and what would you do to film the scene? And I could see a lot of times in the making of this movie. They're doing like I don't know, like that identikit thing sounds like it might be a little too weird, and mm-hmm. how relaxing is it to be like, yeah, don't worry about that. <laughs> we'll yeah, don't do worry. It, anyway. it sounds colorful and fun. The the one thing that that I think that Bava did that other that people nowadays don't do is that he did a little bit of everything. He did. A spy, you know, kind of like a spy mashup like this. Then he did a horror movie. Then he did a western. Then he did some Euro crime. Then he went back and did some more horror. Nowadays, everybody does one genre, and that's it. Well, I think the how you get into the business these days is different than in those days and and especially when you start getting into the low lower budget as in like almost any film market any film industry that was in america you know yeah like bava was probably one of the more you know well-to-do directors in 
an Italian film, but he, he mm-hmm. had to. They they oh in Argento they always had to work with limited means you know compared to to Hollywood, and yeah. that is that will make you so you much know. more creative, and it also a lot of times hey you know you might have started out as a job on a film set just because that was a job that you could get mm-hmm. and you like it and you work your way up through it so you know by the time you become a director you're like hey. You know, just throw any movie at me. It's a challenge to direct it. Whereas nowadays, I think people grow up watching movies and be like, I want to make a movie like that one movie that was the one that inspired me at first. And they don't just find themselves in the film industry and and doing well. You know, that was a time, you know, that was a time period with Richard Corman Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. These guys. William Castle, I just saw an excellent. uh, documentary this afternoon uh, on just, William I, Castle. On... I just watched the 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 trailer that you put up for um um oh which one oh was for it? Mr. Sardonicus for Mr. Sardonicus yeah and like that the he he I I haven't seen one of his trailers with actually I've never seen William Castle speak and he was exactly like I would have pictured him and he has that smirk on his face. Mm-hmm. That that you can tell he's just can't help it. He's so amused with what he's doing there. It's it's wonderful. It's funny because you you think that Castle obviously wanted to be Hitchcock, but you wonder if Hitchcock's TV persona was patterned after Castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it. it um, Hitchcock really kind of admitted that it was it was Castle's earlier stuff that kind of inspired him to do something like Psycho, very low down and dirty, low budget. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I I I don't totally don't think Hitchcock considered himself above using mm-hmm. any of Castle's tactics. He just might have done them in a little more um, you know, intricate way or a little, you know, a little more mainstream way or, or actually just had a better budget. Mhm. And William Ca- and you know, uh, Alfred Hitchcock was leaned. He was he he was he was a salesman like Castle, but he was also right. on the create. You know, sale. Uh, you know, William Castle leaned more towards the salesman than the creative. But mm-hmm. di- but it's his movies are still very entertaining. You know. Yeah, I mean they're they're not Hitchcock. I, I'm Hitchcock. not comparing. <laughs> I'm not comparing Castle to Hitchcock. Nor am I ca- comparing Castle. To- Baba. Baba had an artistic mind. Yeah. William Castle's films are very professionally done. They get the job done, but they're not exactly stylish. Whereas Baba's each film Baba does is kind of a different experience. Yeah, and that's why this one works for me is because a lot of time the 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 cheesiness to this that's, you know, part and partly part of that era in the kind of music that was in the mm-hmm. psychedelic age and stuff like that but he was totally aware of what he was doing you know and he it, 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 you can see the difference between this movie and a movie that's inadvertently entertaining for being mm-hmm. over the top 60s stuff well and you know Barbarella is like this too there was that extra layer of care and uh, and uh, just enough wink to it to to you know, to forgive pretty much any kind of any mm-hmm. kind of budgetary sin that that's going to happen in it. And I was going to bring up the fact that Bava was Vina Laurentiis's first choice to do King Kong. Really? Yes. That would have been amazing. <laughs> Bava turned him down, though. I don't know if it would have gone over well. It would have gone over well with me. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it, it would have been a much different uh, film, I think. What was funny is, as a kid, I I kind of always saw the name, because of King Kong and its reputation, and not even getting... Like, I didn't even get to see it when it came out in the, uh-huh. in the movie theaters, but it was got dragged on so much that I always associated Dino De Laurentiis with big-budget flops... Or really cheesy, uh-huh. cheesy movies. Even though I went to see Flash Gordon and it said Dino De Laurentiis on it, and I said, "Oh no!" And then you know, 
midway through that movie, I was just like, I love this movie. Even as a little kid, I, I that was that was when I got my first understanding of camp. I was watching Flash mm-hmm. Gordon, was going like, oh, this is supposed to be funny, and uh, <laughs> and now of course, whenever I see the name Dino De Laurentiis, I'm 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 starting to you know. Starting to give it extra extra credit and putting it higher on my list. Mm-hmm. You know, another one that another one that sort of dragged his name through the uh, through the dirt was Orca when Orca came yeah. out. And then I remember mm-hmm. seeing Orca and going, I kind of like this movie. <laughs> it's very depressing and bleak, but it's definitely not a ripoff of Jaws. It's uh, something else entirely. Do you know who we almost got before we got Marissa Mel Haziva? No. You will never guess. Very famous actress. French actress. French actress. French actress. Very famous French actress. Oh, um... What's her name? The, the uh, Bob Dylan mentions her in a song. Okay. No, I can't remember. Yeah. Catherine Deneuve. Oh, okay. Not the one I was thinking of. Apparently, Bob dispelled he She didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad he didn't pick her. I think he did well with uh, yeah with his choice. It's it's definitely because, and apparently I'm I'm looking at the trivia here on IMDb. So take this with a grain of salt, everybody. But apparently they had so much money left. He he, Baba brought the film in under budget and had so much money left over from the budget that that Laurentos offered to let him do a sequel. But Baba was having none of that. He's like, ah, I'm done working. It's amazing, <laughs> and it still look. And I look at this. It was budgeted for three million, which is still. Nineteen sixty-eight. That's pretty. De- that's a pretty decent budget. Decent budget. Um, he brought it in under budget, but it still looks like it was made for three million dollars. Well, the the sets and the miniatures for the and it's funny because I read a. Um, before I watched the movie, I, I found her. I was yeah. I was doing a Google search for it, or you know, a, a search for it, and I found uh, the original review of it uh, mm-hmm. by Roger Ebert, and um, he was just like, "Yeah, you know, the you can see that this is a low budget when you see the 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 che- you know the cheesy low budget sets for a secret hideout and stuff." So then, when I actually saw the the, yeah. the sets and and I'm imagining a lot of miniature work mm-hmm. for it, it was gorgeous. Yeah, <laughs> it did not. Well, it, that seemed like where they put a lot of the money in into mm-hmm. the whole thing. You know, everything. I else mean, was the just... the buildings that he blows up <laughs> in the in the IRS sequence look like miniatures. No yes. doubt about that. Yes. Yeah, you're definitely not blowing up real buildings for ten, for dollars. <laughs> But uh, yeah, and some of the some of the cars going off the cliffs were a little, you know, a little cheesy looking. Or, or but when it came to his his hideout, that was that was on a par with any James Bond Blofeld, you know, complex. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, it was more beautiful. It was it was kind of even better because it didn't have a thousand minions running around. Although it does beg the question of. How do you build something like that, and uh, not have somebody find? You know who 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 built that? <laughs> yeah, the two of them didn't build that. You know, well maybe they did. You know, maybe they they have incredible uh, welding skills and all that, also in and an uh, in engineering knowledge. But uh, I thought it was I thought it was a damn handsome. Um, and and it wasn't all miniatures, you know. You could see there's that one spot where they first pull in, and she goes up the stairs mm-hmm. and through a walkway, and right. They had built the whole thing. It's it's a it's a great look. It's a great looking film. That was a great uh, that was a great time period, I think, to be an actor in a movie because you had so many opportunities to to hang out on supervillain sets. They don't make supervillain sets now just turn into basically you know like a tv mixer room you know and you know it's just banks of computers in a in a little room with a guy in a headset and a bunch of monitors now or maybe they have the tom cruise computer where you pull up 
all the windows with your hands and then swipe them to mm-hmm. the side and stuff. But you never have these big, sprawling, you know... It's sort of like cars. I mean, that bed is like about what? Like 15 feet long? Yeah. Yeah, easily. <laughs> easily. And round and rotate. And it revolves! And it's only for two people. Unless they're having <laughs> secret orgies. It looks like it's made for, like, Roman orgies. But it's just the two of them, just in case... You know, they wanted to make sure it could hold $10 million, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's, well, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a snapshot of a time that we like to think exists, but didn't really exist. Yeah. You know, it's very swinging sick. I think I like this for the same reason I like, I'm such a big fan of the Avengers. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the original 60s TV series, not the... In that it's it's a snapshot of this kind of like fantasy land of what the '60s was like. Yes, I, and and the Avengers I think were like had that added. Well, Emma Peel was the added thing mm-hmm. to the Avengers where they they were partners, you know. Right. So all of a sudden you didn't just have the one guy, and and then and then the the male guy is a little older, you know. He's yeah. He's not the he's not the physical James Bond or, or diabolic. He's he's a guy who's he's smart and has experience. Well, to to use, I, I'm not not gonna. I can't believe I'm gonna make this uh, a comparison. Uh, the the Avengers team works in the same way that the team of Elizabeth Salander and the other guy. I can't rem- I can never remember the the. the the journalist's name in the Girl Who trilogy. Oh, jeez. Uh, but the guy in, in the Girl Who trilogy, the thing that's brilliant about those films is that it's a, it's a classic film noir conspiracy theory. Only with the roles reversed. Yes, yeah. And it's it's a similar thing with the Avengers in that the roles are reversed in that the person who's the super competent physical specimen is the woman. And that was done entirely by accident because apparently Brian Clemens and Albert Fennell, who produced the show, fell in love with Honor Blackman and decided to cast her as the assistant and didn't even bother changing the dialogue. Because the assistant was really supposed to be another man. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sort of like number one in, in early Star Treks. Yeah, and and after a couple of episodes, they they decided they started changing. They gave her a backstory and started changing her uh, her dialogue a bit to reflect the, the the dynamics. But the fact was, those first two or three episodes that were Kathy Gale episodes were initially tended to be for two men, not for a man and a woman. And I think that kind of fueled the dynamic from then on out so even after uh, Honor Blackman left and then Diana Riggin after her Linda Thorson came on it it definitely kind of reflected the fact that these, this was a, a meeting of equals now Thorson what was her character's name Tara King yes okay because I like I haven't seen the Avengers since I was a little kid and they used to play them after midnight on our local CBS station and I used to have a I used to have a TV hidden in the closet of my room, mm-hmm. late night late night viewing of the Avengers, Phantasm when that came on once a year, and uh, the Night Stalker, which they would uh. show after midnight. And so I remember I remember distinctly the one where they brought her character in, and yeah. she said her name was she's like my name's Tara, and he goes Raboomdie. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. She she stops. And waits for and then like, and Steve is like going what? It's like oh I'm waiting for you to say it. Rapumdie. <laughs> yes, I love that show. So I still want to do one of these days. I still want to do a podcast, an index podcast of the whole show. But I'm surprised a, you haven't by now. <sighs> I don't want to do it by myself, and I need. And also, it, there is of the 129 episodes that were made. Um. Plus, there are also 24 episodes of the New Avengers, which is the sequel show from the 70s. Um, there are some of them that don't exist anymore. 
You mean they just they they there's no cop they were just on videos that that just They were on videos that got reused. Uh. uh. <laughs> Don't understand. That's why that. if you go on I think it's Cozy TV still I think has the rights to the Avengers. And they have the rights to all the extant episodes. So they actually start about three or four episodes into the first se- in, into the second season because the whole first season is gone. So we're we're, we're waiting for some day when they find so when they like in like they Zimbabwe go to some old something. building that used to be a TV station in Australia mm-hmm. or something. I think that happened actually with Doctor Who, is they found a bunch of episodes that like were sitting in. It's sort of like the the print of Suspiria that was going around. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, well, th- these ones didn't get thrown away. They've just been sitting in this room for 50 years. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we have some quantum physics breakthrough, to where where we can just point something up at the sky and retrieve them, <laughs> retrieve the waves, however many thousands of light years they are away or whatever. By now, somebody once postulated the idea that if we found a way to break into an alternative reality that he would use it to trade videos Ooh. so he could get like like the Casablanca that Ronald Reagan was starred in yeah there are there would be some fantastic um, alternate reality movies out there yeah like I, I think I said I'd want first of all I'd want the other Dr. Five sequels that never got made here see I'd go crazy I would, I would, I would, I would be whipping <laughs> so far out of the timeline I, I'd that want... I would find James. You know, this is the one where they had Benny Hill playing James Bond. <laughs> okay, I, one of the things I, I think I would pick up is Danger More Diabolic, or whatever they would have called the sequel. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> more dangerous, diabolic. <laughs> more danger, more diabolic. It probably they... would have been something like that too. Or they could they could just do like they do now with with sequels and just say the danger diabolic. <laughs> <laughs> See, I like in the old days they tried to be classy about it, and sometimes they never even you know they would title it like um, between the, the and they gave it up with with the Pink Panther, but the pink the second Pink Panther, Panther movie was a shot in the dark, you know, and it, yeah. it was always, and it was even confusing to us as kids when we were trying to find pink it was like that's not a pink panther movie it doesn't have pink panther in the title you know and after that they were just like well yeah maybe we should uh, just keep pink panthering up the title well there was i think even in addition to pink uh, shot in the dark there was also uh inspector clouseau peter sellers didn't want to do inspector Clu- went through a period where he didn't want to do inspector clouseau anymore so they got alan arkin to play Inspector Clouseau in a film called simply Inspector Clouseau. I've never heard of that. And it, it is, it's out there somewhere in the aether. Um, was it, it supposedly same was so director? bad. It was, well, I think that, that all of the Blake Edwards, films right? were different directors. Yeah, they were, well, I'm not sure if it was Blake Edwards, but I know that it was so terrible that it decided, well, we definitely need Peter Sellers back. <laughs> well, there's been what three other attempts to replace Peter Sellers since then. Yes, there they was the, the, Ted, son, the son of the, the Pink Dance. Panther. They had Benini. Well, Benini yeah, was Benini. playing the son, right? And then there was uh, the one uh, where the, the one that they took old footage that they had unused right. in previous films because. And uh, I can't remember who it was, in... but, but he was like a Bruce Boxleitner-looking guy. Yeah, uh, the character's name was Inspector Slay, because there was a, a running gag about one horse open. Jeez, oh, and uh, well, Steve Martin's been Clouseau too. Yes, in in two films, which we don't talk of. I've never I've never seen them. Someday I will watch there. them out of morbid curiosity. And and that's a very probably the best way to look at them. There's got to be something going on there, because like the Garfield movies, there was a sequel. Yeah, well... Somehow. Keep in mind that sometimes it's it's a sequel. We get a sequel only because the overseas is so good. That's true. I don't think we would have had Sherlock Gnomes if it wasn't for overseas. <laughs> I think Sherlock Gnomes was all overseas <laughs> money. I don't think... Uh... <laughs> 
that that was one of those sequels that I heard about, and I was like, I never heard of this, um, the original movie. And I think the reviewer I heard reviewing it was, um, what's his name, Mark Kermode, who's a yeah. British, British reviewer. So I'll, I'll often watch his stuff, and they'll be they'll he he reviews movies that. I just I never see them even get released at the art houses here that, that that are like I don't know if they're strictly British releases but they're mm -hmm. mostly British releases. Well, but... we'll we'll get into some of those things too <laughs> in the future. Don't worry, I got I got plans. Well, I thought I was done with one movie. Oh no, you're not. Oh man, you got I gotta learn you some. And in fact, let's 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 talk about the next segment. Um. October's coming up. It's Halloween. And since we started with a film that had a slight economic underpinning, I'm going to give you an economic horror film. Ooh. I am going to give you Brian Yuzna's Society. Oh. Now there's one I have I've seen bits and pieces of it. I've seen scenes clipped from that one and I was and I immediately thought, how did this evade my radar at the 80s video store when I, you know, when I was digging up mm -hmm. Reanimator, Reanimator 2, Future Kill, all that stuff. Why wasn't this, why wasn't this right among, amongst those videos? I don't know. It's, it was, it's almost like one of those 80s movies that, that popped out of an alternate dimension for me. It's, well, this was one of three films that Brian Yuzna made as part of his un very unfortunately short-lived um, Fourth Street Pictures. The most famous of those three films was um, Riot of Reanimated. Oh, okay. So, okay, that makes sense. He, he, this one he seems like he's in that that group of filmmakers and and yeah um, no, well he I'm was the producer of Rean of reanimator so well, I'm trying to remember the name of the director of reanimator a uh, Stuart Gordon Stuart Gordon and um, and the guy that did um, um, the basket case movies Frank Henelotter. Frank Henelotter. His birthday yes. was just recent was just a couple of days ago and uh he's still making interesting movies mm -hmm. but but this this from from the scenes that i saw from this movie it seemed like this guy was a peer you know a, a perfect peer of these guys it seemed like he had that same same love of prosthetics and and um, mm -hmm. and gory special effects and a story that was simple kind of stupid but had enough enough underpinnings to it and subtext to it to make it really really fun and uh and i love i love you will conspiracy it, movies so i've always said that one of the best things a genre film can do is show you something you've never seen before the climax of this film is something you've never seen before and something I know a little bit about the climax of this movie because I've seen a few scenes of it. Yeah. Not only something that you haven't seen before, but something you never really expected to see before. Going like, well, I never thought I'd see that. You'd be like, I never conceived that anybody would want to show that or that that was something that could happen. So that is that is what we'll be covering in the next segment of this experiment. Excellent. Well, I will I will be going to the internet and showering it with all my newly found knowledge to show them good good better <laughs> gotta learn the peoples
If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Hi, this is John Waters, and you're listening to Two True Freaks. Keep on listening, or I'll have you killed.